Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. The media and the Democrat Party tied at the hip. You could read the president's tweets for yourself. The president was never talking about the people of Baltimore. He's talking about the conditions in Baltimore. He's talking about the politicians in Baltimore, the Democrat Party in Baltimore. He was talking about Elijah Cummings in specific, who condescendingly attacks people he disagrees with who come before his committee, issue subpoenas like lollipops, and yet he's been the congressman for most of Baltimore for decades. His wife runs the Democrat Party in Maryland. She's had at least two ethics complaints filed against her for profiting from her husband, Elijah Cummings, position as chairman of the House Reform and Oversight Committee. Now, there's several things that are really going on here. Number one, the press lie. They lie through their teeth. And so this racist mantra goes on and on and on about the President of the United States. When, in fact, he's not a racist. And they even go to racists, like Al Sharpton, among others, to get their opinion. The fact of the matter is the Democrats must defend each other in their handling of these various metropolitan areas because these various metropolitan areas have been in control of the Democrat Party for half a century or more. In the case of Baltimore, since the 1940s. And they are unraveling. The civil societies are collapsing. They attack their own police forces. They appoint liberal activist judges. They keep raising taxes. They keep pushing out individuals who pay taxes. And so you have the decline, severe decline of living standards in these communities. Not because of race, not because of the federal government, not because of rich people, but because of the Democrat Party and those who run these cities. Baltimore is not alone. Look what's happening to my hometown of Philadelphia right now. Look what's happening to Los Angeles with tens of thousands of homeless people, where they have 12 million rats. Look what's happening to the great city of New York under Bill DiCamio. You can see the difference between somebody like him and Rudy Giuliani when the city was vibrant. Now it's a mess again. Chicago. I believe there are eight killings, scores of casualties over the weekend. And this is typical news out of Chicago. 
Who runs these cities? Republicans don't run these cities. Democrats run these cities. And they're getting worse and worse. Sanctuary cities. Every one of the cities I just mentioned to you is a sanctuary city. How does that help the citizens of these cities? doesn't help them in the least. In the least. You have the gentrified political elite in these various cities that rule over the people in these cities. And they use propaganda and demagoguery and race. They use grants, redistribution of funds in the cities and so forth to maintain their power one to the next. This is what happens when you have one-party rule for decade after decade after decade. Look at Cory Booker's Newark. Cory Booker didn't improve Newark in any significant way. Now he wants to be president of the United States. They talk about the president attacking minorities. The president doesn't only, quote-unquote, attack minorities. Is Jerry Nadler a minority? Is Adam Schiff a minority? Is Chuck Schumer a minority? Is Nancy Pelosi a minority? Is Pete Buttigieg a minority? And we can go on and on and on. Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden. They're Caucasians. But the goal, remember, ladies and gentlemen, is to destroy Trump, destroy his family, destroy his businesses, push him out of office, and punish you, the American people, who voted for him as president. And to let you know you're never to do it again. You're never to do it again. Elijah Cummings has ruled his committee like a dictator. The subpoenas he has issued against this president are like none other by any committee chairman. He wants the accounting records from the president's accountant. He wants the records of his children. And so forth and so on. When his own wife hides in the face of two ethics complaints, raising serious questions about a conflict of interest between her and her husband. Have you seen that on MSNBC or CNN or in the New York Times or the Washington Post? No, you haven't seen it anywhere in the typical Democrat Party press. Can you tell the difference between the Democrat Party press and the Democrat Party over the weekend? No. They say the same thing. Can you tell the difference between Democrat apparatchiks and media journalists on this issue? No, you can't. Day in and day out now, the president is a racist. Why? Because a year ago or so, a poll came out where the president was actually making inroads with Africans, African-Americans. If he picked up 10% more of the vote of African-Americans, the Democrats couldn't beat him. Well, they couldn't have that. And so since then, anything he says or does, where they can try and paint him with their racist nomenclature, that's exactly what they do. That's exactly what they do. And the vast majority of the people doing this are white people. Wealthy white people in the media. Wealthy white people in the Democrat Party. Because they don't want to lose the black vote. They don't want to lose these cities. Elijah Cummings is a fraud. Doesn't matter what color he is. He's a fraud. 
And the Democrat Party and the Democrat Party press will defend him to the end. Like Scarborough. Cummings. Cummings married Scarborough and Brzezinski. And so it is. The President of the United States talks about rat-infested city like Baltimore, that it's disgusting what's happening in these cities. We know exactly what he meant. The nation knows exactly what he means. In fact, the Democrats know exactly what he means. And so do the media. Tell me, how many of these media people live in inner-city Baltimore where it's rat-infested and crime-infested? How many of them? Again, we're not talking about the people. We're talking about the conditions. Jake Tapper doesn't. Chuck Todd doesn't. Joe Lockhart doesn't. Jennifer Saki doesn't. John Delaney doesn't. Bernie Sanders doesn't. Nadler doesn't. Brian Stelter doesn't. Joel Payne doesn't. Walter Isaacson. Chris Van Hollen. Elizabeth Warren. Bishop Garrison. April Ryan. Marianne Williamson. Mike whatever. Amoroso. They don't. None of them do. Why don't they? Are they racists? Well, they must be racists. And in this country now, the modern mass media believe that constantly calling the President of the United States a racist or a criminal or mentally unhinged is the equivalent of reporting news. That's news in Chuck Todd's world. That's news in Jake Tapper's world. And down the list. And so the things that are said about this president are intentional lies. They are intentional lies. And they are said with tears on TV, and they are said with great passion and emotion, and they are said repeatedly like a big lie. They bring on hosts, surrogates, paid contributors, a chorus line of propagandists. Absolutely incredible. Here's an example Mr. Producer put together of the media and Democrats. You won't be able to tell the difference of a montage from over the weekend. Cut one, go. He obviously thinks that that these racist attacks will be effective. Are you concerned that they might be? The president knows he sparks a race, you know, does this racial division business, which is what he does quite a bit. The somewhat racist behavior. Donald Trump has been a racist since he ran for president. Inherently racist. Have a racist president. President is, as he usually is or often is, disgusting and racist. But because it's part of a pattern of racist commentary and incendiary commentary going back decades from the president, that is why I think we can all look at this and say he's continuing uh, to try to play to people's very worst impulses. And this president speaks with the casual racism of Bull Connor. I find Donald Trump even more odious uh, because he's doing it from what seems like a deeply racist core and he's not even bothering to speak in code words anymore. He's a a racist president. This is a president who degrades the office every day. A racist who makes ever more outrageous racist remarks. 
Elizabeth Warren was doing exactly what she should be doing, and that's calling racism racism and calling a racist a racist. President using racism as a political strategy. That is, uh, that's appalling. He wants to show a certain part of America that he's with them. You know, he says he's not a racist, but the racists believe he's a racist. This is beyond racism. This is beyond just weaponizing tweets. This is the work of a serious sociopathic demagogue. President Trump is once again attacking a leading person of color in Congress, igniting another firestorm and bringing more charges that he's using race to try to, to divide Americans for, for political gain. Donald Trump is at his core, at his heart, a racist, bigoted, evil, hateful person. The president has a hate agenda. He doesn't have a policy agenda, and that's what he falls down on. This is ugly. This is racist. And we could have done this for 20 minutes. Maybe we should. So this is the propaganda by these demagogues. They're all demagogues. They're all people in the press. They're all senior people in the media. They're all senior Democrats. And it's a chorus line now. President attacks Elijah Cummings for his outrageous attack on the Border Patrol and ICE. And points out the obvious, the decay that's taking place in Baltimore. Now, I don't know what anyone else has said today. I flew back to Virginia from Florida. There was a two-hour delay by JetBlue. I have no reason why there was a, understanding why there was a two-hour delay. And I walked in here at 4 o'clock. Already prepped up, sitting at the airport. Already talked to Mr. Producer, ready to go. I don't know what they all said, and I don't listen to what they all said. But it's a funny thing. When the former mayor of Baltimore herself, a woman of color and a Democrat, trashed her own city, I don't remember all this. I don't remember. When a Marxist, popular in the Democrat Party by the name of Bernie Sanders, in 2015, basically called a community that he saw in Baltimore the third world, nobody trashed him. Nobody trashed him. I'll be right back. Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty, with more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit Imprimus.Hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. President's tweets over and over and over again, and no tweet was he calling the people of Baltimore anything. 
The media and the Democrats are putting words in his mouth and putting words in our ears. He didn't say anything derogatory about the people of Baltimore. And why would he? He was pounding Elijah Cummings, and I heard a network news program that said he's attacking another person of color. This is sickening, ladies and gentlemen. We have people in public office who say and do things like Elijah Cummings, like the so-called squad. The president reacts to them. These are public officials, as he does white people in office, like Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders and the rest. And the media and the Democrats are involved in an unconscionable and immoral campaign against this man. They are all leftists. They are all progressives. They are all social activists. Like I write in my book, Unfreedom of the Press. Those of you who read it know exactly what's going on here. They're one and the same. The media are driving the Democrats. The media are driving the Democrats on this racist issue. The media are driving the Democrats on impeachment as the media were driving the Democrats on Russia collusion. The media are aiding and abetting these various narratives and, in fact, leading on them. As I write, this is not what a free media do. And the media hate Trump because Trump calls them out by name and by newsroom. And the Democrats are getting a free ride in these cities. Elijah Cummings should be held to account. Well, you know, he's a federal congressman. He's not, excuse me. He's one of the powers in that city, as is his wife is one of the powers in the state, in the Democrat Party. Don't tell me Elijah Cummings has nothing to do with what takes place in that city. The city has been run into the ground. The police force has been undermined. Their finances have been run into the ground. As they are in Los Angeles, as they are in Chicago, and now in New York, and in Philadelphia. People run for office, they should be held to account. But apparently you're not allowed to. When they're people of color, quote-unquote, because the media are going to accuse you, in this case the president, of being a racist. Is Baltimore not rat-infested? I will prove it to you momentarily with PBS, with the former mayor, a corrupt mayor, a Democrat mayor, as well as others. Much like L.A. and some of the other cities that are run by Democrats. And L.A. happens to be run by a white Democrat. Did you know that? And Chicago, for the longest time, was run by a white Democrat. So let's cut the crap that the president only criticizes people of color. Or that here he has a pattern. There's no pattern. It's not about people of color. It's about accountability for what people say or do or fail to do. I'll be right back. You know, our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions, locked in the grip of political correctness. They no longer allow free and open discourse, rejecting the idea of objective truth. They peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. 
Now, as Hillsdale celebrates its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Hillsdale College. And let me add, I think so much of Hillsdale College. I donated an original copy of a compilation of the Federalist Papers, which sit today as I speak at the Kirby Center. Hillsdale College, America's College. More logic than allowed by law. The Mark Levin Show. Call now at 877-381-3811. The Daily Wire has done a hell of a job reporting on this Baltimore issue. As a matter of fact, as has Right Scoop. And here is the former Baltimore mayor, Catherine Pugh, with Fox 45 News in September 2018, less than one year ago. Hat tip, Daily Wire, cut three, go. Year ago, city leaders identified some of the city's most violent neighborhoods. What the hell? We should just take all this down to target. Who needs to smell the rats? Under Baltimore's violence reduction initiative. Oh Jesus! Just last week, we went with Mayor Pugh as she toured an East Baltimore neighborhood. This a new one. I've been out here 54 years. This a new one. Baltimore's violence reduction initiative is about taking steps to rid communities of the cornerstones that contribute to crime. Oh my God! You can smell the Blocks of dilapidated buildings help to hide the addiction that's crippled this community. So tell me, when was Joe Scarborough last in this particular neighborhood? Chuck Todd? Donnie Douche? Jake Tapper? They've never been in this neighborhood where you can smell the dead animals, where you can smell the rats says the former mayor, where she says, what the hell, we should just take all this S-H blank T down. She a racist too? She's a black woman. Tell me, can liberals be racists? Can democratic socialists be racists? Can media hosts and guests be racist? Yes, they can. And many of them are, as well as anti-Semitic. Bernie Sanders in 2015. Baltimore is like a third world country. Again, hat tip, Daily Wire. Cut four, go. But anyone who took the walk that we took, we took around this neighborhood would not think you're in a wealthy nation. You would think that you were in a third world country. But today what we're talking about is a community in which half of the people don't have jobs. We're talking about a community in which there are hundreds of buildings that are uninhabitable. We're talking about a community where kids are unable to go to schools that are decent. Now, why isn't Bernie Sanders a racist? Why? Because he's a democratic socialist. Why else? Because the media do not want to portray him as a racist. Former mayor of Baltimore, Catherine Pugh, you heard what she said. 
the stench of rats, the stench of dead animals. We should just take all this and blank down, tear it down. Why isn't she a racist? Well, you know why. She's a woman of color and she's a Democrat with emphasis on Democrat. President didn't say anything or tweet anything that's much different than what Sanders said or what this mayor said. Just to show you, here is Sanders on CNN talking to Jake Tapper, and Jake Tacker is so ill-informed, so hostile to Trump, so filled with hate and idiocy that he's not even prepared to question Bernie Sanders. That's Bernie Sanders less than four years ago. And here he is now with Jake Tapper, CNN, yesterday. Cut five, go. Jake, it's, it's unbelievable that we have a president of the United States who attacks uh, American cities, who attacks Americans, who attacks... That's just uh, He didn't attack Americans. He didn't attack the people of Baltimore. The media were serious. They'd ask him, did you mean the people of Baltimore? He'd say no, because he didn't. He wasn't talking about the people of Baltimore. But the media insist on putting words in his mouth and words in our ears. Go ahead. Somebody who's a friend of mine, Elijah Cummings, is one of the most decent and outstanding members of the House of Representatives. He's a lousy, lousy political leader. And we know this because of what's taking place in Baltimore. See a success? Go ahead to improve life in his community. Uh, I do find it interesting that when we have rural Republican districts where life expectancy is going down, where downtowns are boarded up, where people are struggling, and people are struggling in rural America, they're struggling in urban America, they're struggling in suburban America. Our job is to bring Tell me, are they struggling in Vermont? Anybody struggling in Vermont? I'm just curious. People are struggling in Vermont. That's a very, very rural state he was mayor burlington he's been senator for a long time from vermont go ahead to improve life for all people not to be a have a racist president who attacks people because they are african-americans he hasn't attacked anybody because they're african-americans who has he attacked because they're african-americans he points out what a failure Elijah Cummings is, not as an African-American, as a politician. He's pointed out what a failure Bernie Sanders is. Not as a white man, but as a Marxist. And we can go down the list. Last week, he hammered Mueller, Nadler, and Schiff. None of them are women of color. So we're now... In a situation in the United States of America where we have a full-throated media of propaganda and pseudo-events. Media of propaganda and pseudo-events. That's what we have right now. Not long ago, PBS did an entire documentary called Rat Film. I don't know if this has been discussed today or not. I don't much care. Rat film. PBS. A liberal bastion. People love PBS, don't they? I think they do. Well, why would PBS 
run such a film? Is PBS racist? I suppose it is. Why else would they do it? Oh. So PBS does a film, and it's grotesque in what it shows. I want to read you a, uh, a column by my buddy Daniel Horowitz, who is a native citizen of Baltimore, Maryland. He says, it was a dark night two years ago, and I had to head out to prayer. He's an Orthodox Jew to prayer service just a mile away from my home outside northwest Baltimore City. The carjackings and break-ins had spread to the suburbs. The security situation was worse than at any time in my entire life, including during the Freddie Gray riots in 2015 and during the crime wave of the early 90s. My neighbors were scared to even take their trash to the curb at night, although there were plenty of muggings and carjackings occurring during broad daylight, too. To carry my gun or not to carry my gun, that was the question on my mind this particular night. You see, growing up just outside northwest Baltimore City, the county's also called Baltimore, my entire life, I developed a good sense of caution mixed with a good sense of geography. I had negative feelings associated with the direction south because the further south we travel from home, the worse the potholes would be to maneuver and the more likely you'd get mugged or worse. Perhaps it was ingrained in me from the day I was born in the hospital in the northwest where there are shootings every night behind the Sinai Hospital. Ah, shoot, hold on a second. I'm reading this off my iPhone, and of course, the Sinai Hospital campus. But that's the thing about Baltimore City, right? Or as we call it, the city. The criminals could carry guns all they want and rack up more homicides per capita than in any other city. Yet law-abiding citizens could never carry guns to protect themselves. I can't read the whole thing, but let me go on. For the first time in my life, I considered carrying my full-size H&K VP9 just to go out to the prayer service, which was a few blocks into the city's northwest area. It would only be for a half hour, and I felt I needed it just to get to my car in front of my own home in a suburb. Yet like most law-abiding citizens, even though I knew that Maryland was violating the most invaluable natural right enshrined even before the Bill of Rights, I decided to abide by the state's lawless law and not carry. I knew how strict they were. The police will never be there for you if you are violently attacked in one of the very common beatings that take place in the city and often wind up on Drudge's website. Even after the fact, the youths who have accrued multiple felonies within a few months won't serve a day in prison because criminal justice reform. But let me tell you, If you are a peaceful citizen seeking nothing more than self-defense via natural right enshrined to the Bill of Rights, well, you have another story coming. As a result of the criminalization of basic police work since 2015, Baltimore police have retreated from the procedures and policies that have resulted in the two decades decline in crime in most other large metro areas. Crime in Baltimore has skyrocketed to the point that the city set a new record for homicides. Hmm. A new record for homicides. The most homicides per capita of any city in America last year. And most of the murders have been downtown. The robberies and muggings have spilled over into the suburbs. My neighborhood is, on and off, in the worst security predicament I've seen in my lifetime. The leftist deviants thought of everything. 
while they let criminals out of jail and prosecute police officers for doing their jobs. They seriously infringe upon the gun rights of law-abiding citizens. Baltimore has a higher homicide rate than Central America. Baltimore's homicide rate in 2017 was 56 per 100,000. That tops the 51 per 100,000 in El Salvador and dwarfs the rate of 40 and 22.4 in Honduras and Guatemala, respectively. Incidentally, the homicide rates are plummeting in those those countries while migration skyrockets. Now, this is an interesting point. The left and the media say these people are escaping crime, so they should be allowed into this country under open borders. What Horowitz is writing here is their crime level, their homicide rate is lower than in Baltimore City. And guess what? He says the homicide spiked right after the state passed a strict gun control law. The media class is feigning outrage over Trump referring to West Baltimore as rat infested. As a rat infested area, the Baltimore Sun, the house organ for the local Democrats, who helped turn this once proud city of one million people into a failing cesspool with fewer than 600,000, retorted to the president, Better to have some vermin living in your neighborhood than to be one. Well, as a lifelong resident of the area, I'd agree with that sentiment, but with one caveat. It's better to have some vermin living in your neighborhood than to have violent criminals and gangs protected by vermin politicians with no ability to protect against them. At least rats usually don't kill and aren't on drugs, so they run away when you try to defend yourself. Maybe. Maybe now Jake Tapper will go into this particular community. And Chuck Todd, without any police support whatsoever. Maybe they'll do that. And do real, honest reports on what's going on. On the corruption of the Democrat Party. On the failure of liberal policies. Or maybe they'll just continue to call Donald Trump a racist. Because he has the guts to call out Elijah Cummings and the guts to call out the policies that are killing people, that are maiming people, that are destroying these communities in these one-party cities, these sanctuary cities where virtually anything goes. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arne argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course, Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. 
you can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. We're going to have to spend more time on this in the next hour. By the way, heads up. There's some group called TeaParty.org. It's not the Tea Party Patriots, of which I have enormous respect, or any of the other respected Tea Party groups. It's called TeaParty.org, and it's clearly using my name as clickbait to collect your email addresses, maybe even money. I have nothing to do with TeaParty.org. Nothing whatsoever to do with TeaParty.org. And we will try and track these people down but I have nothing to do with them. And they are not authorized to be using my name, links, or anything of the sort. I don't know who they are. Teaparty.org, I've never heard of before. I don't believe it's a typical Tea Party organization either. I don't know what these people are up to, but as I say, they didn't come to me for permission for anything. Period. And so come to this issue of racism and they are trying to place in the national psyche for the upcoming election that Donald Trump is a racist and it is a relentless attack on his character because he called out he dared to call out Elijah Cummings who's been trashing him and his family and his businesses and his business associates for two years now who attacked one of the men who is doing everything humanly possible to secure the border and take care of the people who come in here illegally in a humane and empathetic way the very party and he's one of the leaders in the Democrat party that denies funds to secure that border that has created anarchy and chaos and inhumane conditions to the extent that they exist, you can blame in part Elijah Cummings. And you see, you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do that. President of the United States, not so long ago, pointed out that, a cert- that certainly there's numerous countries out there that are asshole countries in terms of their societies, in terms of law and order, in terms of uh, poverty. And Dick Durbin basically leaked that to the media to suggest the president was racist in that regard. How is that racist? Is it not a fact? Is that not why people are trying to get into this country? To escape these places? Is that not what their their slip and fall paid for so-called immigration lawyers are arguing? That they have to escape these places because they're hell holes? Just keep all this in mind, ladies and gentlemen. The propaganda from the Democrat Party press is relentless. But just keep in mind who the Democrat Party press are. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... 
deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, And, of course, the answer we're now hearing on TV in these phony newsrooms is President Trump isn't doing enough for these communities. So what do we need? More government, more liberals, more progressivism. Of course. Because liberals aren't racist, you see. No, 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 no. Especially white liberals. The American Press Institute cautioned some time ago that there's bias in the media, used to be called pack journalism. It's been called groupthink. It's the storyline that the press corps in Moss is telling or repeating, and this, of course, is in Unfreedom of the Press. A modern term for it is master narrative. These master narratives can become a kind of trap or rut, they said. The journalist picks facts that illustrate a master narrative or current stereotype and ignores other facts. How about that, ladies and gentlemen? Let's examine some significant evidence, reports, surveys, studies that does a good job of underscoring this point. In 2014, there was a study by Indiana University professors Lars Wilnat and David Weber based on online interviews with 1,080 American journalists. And they were conducted during the fall of 2013. It reveals that almost 50.2% of journalists identified as independent, 14.6% as other. The number identified as Democratic was 28.1%, 7.1% as Republican. 1971, for the first time the survey was conducted, some 25.7% of journalists polled that they identified as Republican. A November 2018 survey of various financial institutions found 40.8% said they were somewhat liberal, 17.63% said they were very liberal, 37.12% said they were moderate, 3.94% said they were somewhat conservative, 0.046% said they were very conservative. The Center for Public Integrity, a left-of-center organization, reports that conventional journalistic wisdom holds that reporters and editors are referees on politics playing field, bastions of neutrality, who mustn't root for Team Red or Team Blue, either in word or deed. But in the 2016 presidential election, people identified in federal campaign finance findings, uh, filings as journalists, reporters, news editors, or television news anchors, as well as other donors known to be working in journalism, Well, they contributed more than $396,000 to presidential campaigns of Clinton and Trump. Nearly all of that, more than 96%, benefited Clinton. And what of the incestuous relationship between journalists and the last Democratic administration, which gives us insight into the current state of journalism? 
Well, The Atlantic, of all places, a progressive media outlet, took a look at this a few years back, and they found this. Time managing editor Rick Stengel moved to the State Department as Undersecretary of State for Public Diplomacy and Public Affairs. Douglas France, who wrote for the New York Times and the L.A. Times, was an Assistant Secretary of State for Public Affairs. Boston Globe Online Politics Editor Glenn Johnson was a Senior Advisor at the State Department. Washington Post writer Stephen Barr moved to the Labor Department as Senior Managing Director of the Office of Public Affairs. Washington Post Congressional Reporter Shalia Murray became Vice President Joe Biden's Communications Director and later Senior Advisor to Obama. Rosa Brooks was a columnist for the L.A. Times before taking a position with the Undersecretary of Defense for Policy under Obama. The Washington Post's Desson Thomas left the paper to serve as a speechwriter for Obama's ambassador to Britain. Roberta Baskin, a one-time CBS News investigative reporter, joined the Department of Health and Human Services as a senior communications advisor for Obama. Washington Post Warren's Bass, an Outlook section deputy editor, joined then-UN Ambassador Susan Rice as director of speech writing and senior policy advisor. Education Week reporter David Hoff moved to the Education Department. CNN senior political producer Sasha Johnson joined the Department of Transportation and later became chief of staff at the Federal Aviation Administration. The Chicago Tribune's Jill Zuckman moved to the Department of Transportation as communications director, all under Obama. Rick Weiss, who'd worked for the Washington Post, became communications director and senior policy strategist for the White House Office of Science and Technology. Former CBS and ABC reporter Linda Douglas joined the Obama campaign and later communications director for the White House Office of Health Reform. Want to hear more? New York Times reporter Eric Dash moved to the Treasury Department's Public Affairs Office, as did MSNBC producer Anthony Raves. CNN's Anesh Rahman worked for the Obama campaign and later speechwriter for Obama. CNN's National Security Jim Shudo their national security reporter, formerly with ABC News, served as chief of staff to the United States ambassador to China, Gary Locke, was also former governor of Washington State, Democrat. San Francisco Chronicle environmental reporter Kelly Zito joined the EPA's public affairs office. Notably, Time Magazine Washington bureau chief Jay Carney became communications director for Vice President Biden, subsequently press secretary to President Obama. Now, what are family ties between the press and the prior administration? Well, the Washington Post, Paul Farhi, wrote a piece on this. ABC News President Ben Sherwood is the brother of Elizabeth Sherwood Randall, a top national security advisor to Obama. His counterpart at CBS News Division President David Rhodes, the brother of Benjamin Rhodes, deputy national security advisor. CNN's Deputy Washington Bureau Chief, Virginia Mosley, married to Tom Nides, formerly Deputy Secretary of State under Hillary Clinton. Washington <clears throat> White House Press Secretary Jay Carney's wife, Claire Shipman, veteran reporter for ABC. NPR's White House correspondent, Ari Shapiro, is married to a lawyer, Michael Gottlieb, who joined the White House Counsel's Office. Now, Vice President Biden's one-time communications director, Charlene Murray is married to Neil King, one of the Wall Street Journal's top political reporters. Now, there are other former Democratic staffers who now work in the media, and some have long family ties to the Democrat Party. MSNBC's Chris Matthews previously worked for, among others, Carter and O'Neill. 
CNN's Chris uh, Cuomo is obviously brother of New York's Democrat governor, Andrew Cuomo. CNN's Jake Tapper worked for Democratic Congresswoman Marjorie Margulis Mesvinsky and Handgun Control Inc. ABC's Cokie Roberts' father was Hale Boggs, the House Democratic Majority Leader. And of course, ABC's George Stephanopoulos worked for President Bill Clinton. And there's so many more. There's others. You can point to some Republicans, but not like this. This is overwhelming. Now, there's other influences in the reporting against Trump and the uh, progressive ideology that is nonstop in the media. There's a geographic bubble. And Politico, a progressive media website, notes that the national media really does work in a bubble, which it contends is something that wasn't true as recently as 2008. So he looks at the Internet. Actually looks at more than that. Concentrated heavily along the coast, the bubble is both geographic and political. Says if you're a working journalist, odds aren't just that you work in a pro-Clinton county. Odds are that you reside in one of the nation's most pro-Clinton counties. Today, 73% of all Internet publishing jobs are concentrated in either Boston, New York, Washington, Richmond, Carter, or the West Coast Crescent that runs from Seattle to San Diego and on to Phoenix. The Chicagoland area, a traditional media center, captures 5% of the jobs, with a paltry 22% going to the rest of the country. And almost all the real growth of Internet publishing is happening outside the heartland in just a few urban counties, all places that voted for Clinton. And he writes, so when your conservative friends use media as a synonym for coastal and liberal, they're not far off the mark. Nearly 90% of all Internet publishing employees work in a county where Clinton won. 75% of them work in a county that she won by more than 30 points. I'd say that's pretty significant. And then, as I've told you many times before, a recent study by the Harvard Kennedy School Shorenstein Center on Media, Politics, and Public Policy suggests, certainly with regard to Trump, that the media is is, uh, very partisan. On May 18, 2017, not that long ago, They issued a comprehensive analysis of news coverage of the first 100 days of Trump. I want to quote this again as we listen to this racist stuff. They say Trump's attacks on the press have been aimed at what he calls the mainstream media. Six of the seven U.S. outlets in our study, CBS, CNN, NBC, The New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and Washington Post. Among those, he's attacked by name. All six portrayed Trump's first 100 days in highly unfavorable terms. CNN and NBC's coverage were the most unrelenting. Negative stories about Trump outpaced positive ones by 13 to 1 on the two networks. Trump's coverage on CBS also exceeded the 90% negative mark. Trump's coverage exceeded the 80% level in the New York Times. That would be 87% negative. Washington Post, 83% negative. Wall Street Journal came in below that level, 70% negative. And that was largely attributable to their economic coverage. That's unbelievable. And the Shorenstein Center closed its analysis with a thoughtful piece of advice. Quote, 
Journalists would do well to spend less time in Washington and more time in places where policy interests intersects with people's lives. If they'd done so during the presidential campaign, they would not have missed the story that keyed Trump's victory, the fading of the American dream for millions of ordinary people. Nor do all such narratives have to be a tale of woe. America at the moment is a divided society in some respects. It's not a broken society, and the divisions in Washington are deeper than those beyond the Beltway. Remember when the president said that the elected leadership of Puerto Rico is corrupt? Remember he said, we're pouring an enormous amount of sums of your tax dollars into Puerto Rico, but it is a horribly run island. Now you see the governor's been chased off. You see the secretary of state doesn't want anything to do with the job. She's unpopular. One of the education officials saying they got widespread corruption and abuse at the highest levels of the Puerto Rican government. The president was right. Remember when he was called a racist for that? Remember he was said to be anti-Puerto Rican because he pointed that out? You don't even hear about that anymore, do you? So he's pointing out that Elijah Cummings, one of the most powerful people in Baltimore, one of the most powerful politicians, one of the most powerful Democrats of longstanding in Baltimore, he points a finger back at Elijah Cummings, who's been attacking our Border Patrol, attacking ICE, attacking the president and his family and businesses, with gratuitous and outrageous political subpoenas, and the president points back at him and essentially says, and you, sir, have a lot of explaining to do about what's taking place in your city. It's rat-infested. It's declining. It's unraveling in so many words. That's what he's saying. And now he's accused of being a racist again. I contend that most of these white liberals on TV are the true racists. They say one thing and they do another. They powell around with people of the same race. They send their kids to private schools or to public schools, which are mostly populated with kids of the same race. They do not live in these rat-infested communities. And I might say it's not just the white liberals, it's the black liberals too. They're hypocrites in every respect. And they have complete control of these cities where the Republican Party is mostly dead. And it's about time. It's about time that they're held to account. But you're not going to see them held by, to account by the media. Because the media has an incestuous relationship with the Democrat Party. In some cases, a familiar relationship. More on this when I return. Mark Lovin. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. 
It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Jake Tapper sends his kids to school. I want to know. Why can't I know that? Or all the hosts on CNN and all the hosts on MSNBC. What kind of communities do they live in? Now, there's more going on here than just that. New York University professor, and I've mentioned this. Again, this is in Unfreedom of the Press. It's very, very important to understand all this. His name is Jay Rosen. Jay Rosen. He's a leading voice in the idea of so-called public or civic journalism. That is purpose-driven social activism journalism. It's a movement spreading throughout America's newsrooms for the last several decades. And he was a harsh critic of then-candidate Donald Trump. And he wrote in the Washington Post, and I quote, Imagine a candidate who wants to increase public confusion about where he stands on things so that voters give up on trying to stay informed and instead vote with raw emotion. Under those conditions, does asking where do you stand, sir, serve the goals of journalism, or does it enlist the interviewer in the candidate's chaotic plan? I know what you're thinking, journalist, he writes. What do you want us to do, stop covering a major party candidate for president? That would be irresponsible. True. But this reaction short-circuits intelligent debate. Beneath every common practice in election coverage, there are premises about how candidates will behave. I want you to ask, he writes, do these still apply? Trump isn't behaving like a normal candidate. He's acting like an unbound one. In response, journalists had to become less predictable themselves. They have to come up with novel responses. They have to do things they've never done. They may even have to shock us. So, folks, you hear this going on. This is Chuck Todd. This is Jake Tapper. This is going on. This is Scarborough. He adds, Rosen, they may need to collaborate across news brands in ways they have never known. In other words, conspire as a whole. They may have to call Trump out with a forcefulness unseen before. They may have to risk the breakdown of decorum in interviews and endure excruciating awkwardness. Hardest of all, they'll have to explain to the public that Trump is a special case and that normal rules do not apply. You've heard Helter Brian Stelter do this day in and day out. Loser Jeffrey Tubin, you've heard him do this day in and day out. Don Lemon, day in and day out. They're destroying journalism. This is why when you watch TV or listen, You can hardly believe your eyes and your ears that a president's calling out a Democrat member of the House, a leading Democrat for what's taking place in his city, and he's called a racist for doing so. I'm not done. I'll be right back. 
Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. You're listening to Denali. The Great One. The Great One. And you can call in now. 877-381-3811. I want to bring something to your attention that was brought to me earlier today. And I've been uh, obviously citing unfreedom of the press. But it's impossible to read an entire book in the air, and I don't want to lose you in my audience either. But there are things in this book that relate to what's taking place today, now with the racism charge and a reason for it. But there's something remarkable. Over at Amazon, my book is now 52% off, even though it's the seventh highest selling book on Amazon all year, even though it's number 20 on the Amazon list right now in the top 100, even though we've been... Nine weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. I don't understand how their algorithms work, and I don't care. I just want to bring this to your attention because it was brought to mind. Two things. If you order now on Amazon.com for yourself, for a birthday present, for a holiday gift for somebody else, but you have to order now, it's 52% off. So the retail price is $28.00. If you order now, it's $13.44. I can tell you this won't last. It never does. It never does. And if you order within the next two hours and you're a member of Prime, a Prime member, it's free one-day delivery. So you'll have it tomorrow. So you'll get it at 52% off, $13.44. So if you're thinking now, way ahead of the game for Christmas, Hanukkah, some other holiday or gift, birthdays, or just to push the mission prior to this election, because there's really no one else and nothing else that's really taking on the media in this country, apart from the president, but this book and me. You can get it at 52% off right now on Amazon.com. And that could change in one hour. That could change at midnight. It could change tomorrow. I don't know. But I will tell you it's not going to last because it never does. I've done, what is it now? Eight books. So I know it'll never last. So it'll be $13.44 plus free delivery if you're a Prime member. So let me strongly encourage you to act. And, of course, we want to thank... Barnes & Noble, and Costco, and Walmart, 
and all the others for carrying the book, too. But this is a very, very hot discount, I'm just telling you. Also, there's over 2,000 comments now. 96% give me a five-star on this book. 96%. Now, when I mention that, the libs go in and try and knock it down, but I think it's not going to be uh, possible. And you should read those comments. Then I want to remind you again of Jim Rutenberg at the Times. That would be the Holocaust-denying New York Times. How loathsome that institution truly is. He was a news correspondent termed colonist, and I've never really quite understood that either. And he says, if you're a journalist, much like this guy Rosen, who despises Trump, now let's stop there. If you're a journalist who despises Trump, you shouldn't be reporting about Trump. You should be doing something else in the newsroom. Maybe, you know, book reviews, obituaries, but you shouldn't be covering Trump if you despise him. He says, if you're a journalist who despises Trump, as many in the Democrat Party press do, my words, and consider him some kind of a threat to the nation, you can hardly be expected to report objectively about him, just like Professor Rosen of the social activism media movement, right? Because that now is what infects virtually every newsroom. And he wrote in 2016, before the general election, He explained the mindset at the newspaper and the media at large, writing, if you're a working journalist and you believe that Donald Trump is a demagogue, playing to the nation's worst racist and nationalistic tendencies, see, this has always been their agenda. That he cozies up to anti-American dictators and that he would be dangerous with control of the United States nuclear codes, how the heck are you supposed to cover him? Believe this? Well, if you believe all those things, he writes, you have to throw out the textbook American journalism has been using for the better part of the past half century, if not longer, and approach it in a way you've never approached anything in your career. Again, doesn't he sound like that radical professor, Jay Rosen? He says, journalism is about activism, you know. He goes on, Rutenberg of the New York Times, if you view a Trump presidency as something that's potentially dangerous, then your reporting's going to reflect that. You would move closer than you've ever been to being oppositional. That's uncomfortable and uncharted territory for every mainstream non-opinion journalist I've ever known, and by normal standards, untenable. But the question that everyone is grappling with is, do normal standards apply? And if they don't, what should take their place? may not always seem fair to Mr. Trump or his supporters, but journalism shouldn't measure itself against any one campaign's definition of fairness. It is journalism's job, he writes, to be true to the readers and viewers and true to the facts in a way that will stand up to history's judgment. To do anything less would be untenable. So in other words, abandon objective truth and go get him. Attack him. Try to destroy him. And that's exactly what they're doing. President Trump didn't tweet anything racist. When he went after this so-called squad, three of whom include out-of-the-closet anti-Semites, perhaps four, he wasn't attacking their race or their womanhood. He's attacking them and what they had said. And by the way, we're going to circle back to Talib in hour three. 
she's received very little national attention about something she recently said. That's truly what's going on. But these same people who are accusing accusing, uh, Trump of being a racist think you're racist. These same people. Listen to Joe Scarborough. Cut seven. Go. If you endorse Donald Trump, you uh, as president, you endorse Charlottesville and uh, what he what he did, uh, uh, the moral equivalency between Nazis and protesters. You, of course, support the attacks, uh, what, what, what he has done, the racist attacks on Hispanics, calling them breeders. You support the continued racist attacks on Muslims, calling for a Muslim registry, attacks on Mexicans. You, you can go down the list. All right. And of course, Scarborough's referred to him in more ways than one as Hitler and so forth, because he's a very sick man, is Scarborough. But remember this, they view you the same way. They have this guy, Donnie Dushon, all the time. He talks about you as effectively neo-Nazis and white supremacists. This is on a news network, MSNBC, part of NBC, part of Comcast. And there's a uh, Bobby Azarian, PhD in cognitive neuroscience, in 2016 affiliated with George Mason University, among other places. And he attacked you in psychology today. And he said there that the only thing that might be more perplexing than the psychology of Donald Trump is the psychology of his supporters. In their eyes, the Donald can do no wrong. Even Trump himself seems to be astonished by this phenomenon. And he argues, and I have to paraphrase or limit the quotes, four possibilities. The Dunning-Kruger effect, that is, some believe that many of those who support Donald Trump do so because of ignorance. Basically, they're underinformed or misinformed about the issues at hand. Talking about you. Second possibility, hypersensitivity to threat. Science has unequivocally shown that the conservative brain has an exaggerated fear response when faced with stimuli that may be perceived as threatening. These brain responses are automatic and not influenced by logic or reason. Fear keeps Trump's followers energized and focused on safety. Again, putting you down. Number three, terror management theory. When people are reminded of their own mortality, which happens with fear-mongering, they will more strongly defend those who share their worldviews and national or or ethnic identity and act out more aggressively towards those who don't. By constantly emphasizing existential threat, Trump creates a psychological condition that makes the brain respond positively rather than negatively to bigoted statements and divisive rhetoric. Again, he's talking about you. Or four, high attention engagement. Essentially, the loyalty of Trump supporters may in part be explained by America's addiction with entertainment and reality TV. Keeps us on the edge of our seat. And for that reason, some Trump supporters will forgive anything he says. They're happy as long as they are kept entertained. Now, Azarian assures us these explanations don't apply to all of you. In fact, if you're intelligent, he says, you know better. You're just being rebellious. He has nothing but contempt for you. And neither do the media but they think enough of you will be persuaded by a constant drumbeat with a big lie. 
for impeachment or obstruction or constitutional crisis or racism. That they will finally achieve what they've always wanted to achieve, and that is the defeat of Donald Trump, because they expect you to turn on him. And they want to bring out the Democrat Party voters and keep you at home. When you're preparing to travel abroad, that was from, uh, by the way, Unfreedom of the Press. When you're preparing to travel abroad this summer, the one app that needs to be on your checklist is ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN doesn't just encrypt your data while you surf the internet on public airport and hotel Wi-Fi. It even lets you stream and access content that normally would have been blocked in that country. With ExpressVPN, you can unblock all your favorite websites and have access to the internet just like you would if you were at home. ExpressVPN runs in the background of your computer or phone, then you use the internet just like you normally would. ExpressVPN costs less than 7 bucks a month and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Don't travel anywhere this summer without downloading ExpressVPN. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash mark. That's expressvpn.com slash mark. E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash mark for three months free with a one-year package. And you can learn more. So visit expressvpn.com slash mark. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. Our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth and to hold up what is good. The vast majority of them, well, they've abandoned their missions, and they abandoned them long ago. And locked in the grip of political correctness, they don't even allow open discourse anymore. They peddle moral and cultural relativism and reject the idea of objective truth. Not Hillsdale College. No. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission. To provide the sound learning that is essential to preserving civil and religious liberty. As Hillsdale celebrates its 175th year, it remains committed to providing its students the very best liberal arts education in the country. Hillsdale also remains committed to offering you opportunities to learn about the many blessings of liberty so that you can do your part to preserve it. They offer you free online courses and their free monthly speech digest of conservative thought. That's in Primus. 
Hillsdale extends their reach through their Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and the Barry Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Hillsdale College. When you consider over the last several months how the media have protected Talib and Omar and Ayakh and their rabid anti-Semitism and bigotry, and then you look how they treat Trump, who never said a single thing about their race, and now how he how he defends against Elijah Cummings. He never said a single thing about the man's race or a single thing about the people of Baltimore or the race of many of the people in Baltimore. You can see what we're up against, ladies and gentlemen. You can see what we're up against. A hostile media. They're not a free press. They do not stand on the shoulders of the patriot press. They do not believe in the pursuit of objective truth. You've got a new generation of reporters, Chuck Todd, Jake Tapper, Democrats, married to Democrats, Chris Matthews, and on and on and on, who are there for one reason and one reason only, to advance the progressive agenda, to elect Democrats, and to advance social activism of the radical kind. Professor Jay Rosen and others like him of his ilk have had an enormous influence, as has the Democrat Party itself, which has spawned so many of these so-called reporters. How much time do I have, Rich? Kamala Harris in Detroit yesterday. Cut eight. Go. The idea that this president would attack the city of Baltimore and Elijah Cummings is just, you know, and the way he has done it is just a further example of the fact that the guy plays low ball. I see. And this comes from the woman who played low ball with Joe Biden and did so intentionally with malicious intent. I don't think we need any lectures from Kamala Harris. That's number one. Number two, why shouldn't Elijah Cummings be attacked? Is he immune from accountability? Is he not a politician? Is he not on the public payroll? Does he not make promises to the people of Baltimore and the nation? Should Elijah Cummings not be attacked? He wasn't attacked for his race. He was attacked because he's a failure. I don't care if he's liked. That's beside the point. Al Sharpton is in Baltimore. Cut nine, go. He attacks everybody. I know Donald Trump. He's not mature enough to take criticism. He can't help it. He's like a child. Somebody says something, he reacts. He's thin skin. So when did it occur in this country that Al Sharpton was a character witness? When did it occur in this country the man behind the Tawana Brawley fraud and other horrific events that have taken place in New York. A man who, who doesn't even pay his taxes, apparently, from time to time. In any event, since when did Al Sharpton become the nation's voice for race relations? 
since never. And yet every single Democrat running for president has felt it necessary to talk to his group and to kiss his hand. Every single one. So now Al Sharpton is going to pass judgment on the president of the United States. Go ahead. And not really matured that well. But he has a particular venom for blacks and people of color. He doesn't refer to any of his other opponents or critics as infested. He didn't refer to an opponent or critic as infested. And we have cities that are infested with rats. That's a fact, Al. He goes on, he attacks Nancy Pelosi, he attacks Chuck Schumer, he attacks other whites, but never said that they had districts of their states or places that no human being wants to live in. Uh, Poor Al. I guess he's not familiar with what's going on in San Francisco. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. Last night on Life, Liberty, and Levin, it was perhaps the most important show yet in a year and a half with two former attorneys general. Edwin Meese, the 85th Attorney General of the United States under President Ronald Reagan, and Mike Mukasey, the 80, excuse me, he was 75th Meese, and the 81st Attorney General Mukasey under George W. Bush. And it was a spectacular back and forth. Unfortunately, Uh, You only got to see about 50% of it as a result of the horrible mass murder in Gilroy, California. I'm quite familiar with Gilroy and the Garlic Festival there as we lived near there for a period of time in Sunnyvale, California. It's a magnificent little town, and it's truly, truly unfortunate. Hopefully Fox will rerun the show on Saturday. It's up to them, but uh, I think it's a very, very important show when you have two former attorneys general there. Uh, and we discussed at length Mueller, obstruction, impeachment, and all matters related to it, like really hasn't been done anywhere, including on Fox. So with any luck, they'll they'll rerun it over the weekend. But I wanted to play a couple minutes of this from the first half. And um, Attorney General Meese, regarding Robert Mueller's testimony, I think you might be very interested in this. Cut 14, go. So you both agree there should never have been a special counsel in the first place. Right. And yet we have the special counsel. And you both saw him testify the other day. Attorney General Meese, were you concerned by his testimony? I was concerned by his testimony. I was concerned by the uh, fact that uh, so much of the report uh, seemed to be foreign to him, or at least he was not familiar with it. And uh, I've since uh, reflected uh, the views of a lot of people who were watching and that was that he because he was not familiar with the report because it looked like someone else had written it. 
and indeed uh, much of the report itself uh, suffered, in my opinion, a, a number of flaws, flaws as well. The whole idea of laying out what you might call a prosecutor's brief, not an evidentiary brief, but a prosecutor's brief of reasons why someone should have been accused of doing something wrong, and yet very short on evidence, very short on facts, and, and certainly much too long, particularly in what they called volume two, which uh, was directly contrary, actually, to what the law actually says in terms of what obstruction of justice really is. This isn't bribing of witnesses. This isn't destroying documents. This isn't the normal thing you would think about when you talk about obstruction of justice. And that's why I felt that the whole idea of that much material, of uh, allegations really without facts, uh, was made this a flawed report. And I asked Attorney General Mukasey, would firing Robert Mueller, even if the president had done that, which he didn't. Would that be obstruction in and of itself? Cut 15, go. Report cites three obstruction statutes. I've looked at these obstruction statutes. They don't apply to this case. Then you look at the Supreme Court decision in 2005 involving Arthur Anderson, which was Andrew Weissman's case. Which was an obstruction case. Which was an obstruction case. And it was a perfunctory opinion. It was about eight pages long, if you don't include the title page and signature page. Nine to zero, written by Chief Justice William Rehnquist, said, whoa, 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 you can't have such a broad interpretation of obstruction. This is a serious crime. And among the three elements is corrupt intent. You're a former judge. You see what the president did in terms of providing information to the prosecutor. He felt the prosecutor was conflicted. Let's say he fired Mueller. Would that necessarily mean the prosecution ends? No, of course not. The, 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 um, the office would continue and the investigation would continue. Um, also, if you look at the kind of spasmodic way, almost, uh, that he, I mean, certainly not, a, not a, a methodical way that the president went about expressing his views about getting rid of Mueller and ordering people or asking people to, to take steps to do that at, at, at various points, if in fact he did, um, on a completely, disorgan, a completely disorganized way. It looks like somebody who is upset, uh, lashing out, um, and talking the way people talk about, I'd love to get rid of him or her or whatever. Um, that's very different from actually undertaking um, in a systematic, methodical way, um, obstructing an investigation. And certainly you wouldn't do it by firing um, the figurehead. This was a case, I think, where the president knew that he had had nothing to do with Russia, that he was being falsely accused every day, and the media was picking this up, not to report the news, but rather to get it at the president himself personally. I mean, and I think this he did this probably out of frustration of, as an innocent person being pilloried for something that he never did. When you talk about an obstruction case, um, as a prosecutor, you think about whether you've whether you can put this in front of a jury and present evidence beyond a reasonable doubt that an obstruction was going on. That, I think, was part of the point that the attorney general was making when he discussed um, the report and discussed his decision not to bring an obstruction case. Um, there's, a, there's a world of difference between taking isolated statements out of context 
um, and saying, well, you could construe this as an act of obstruction or as an attempted act of obstruction or as an, an incipient act of, destruction, of, of obstruction and evaluating an entire situation. Then I asked, well, has the president committed any impeachable offenses? Here was Attorney General Meese. Cut 16, go. For a lot of people, including me, this report, particularly Volume 2, was written as an impeachment report, which is really an abuse of power for prosecutors to do that sort of thing. And I think one day we'll need to circle back and really take a look at this. That said, that report, anything you've seen so far, they keep talking about impeachment, like they're talking about apple pie, and they talk about it every day. Will they impeach? Won't they impeach? Apart from the, uh, the, the politics of it, has the president committed any impeachable offenses? I don't believe that he has in any way committed an impeachable offense. High crimes and misdemeanors? We have to understand what impeachment is all about, as you point out. And that was the, two, the three branches are separate and equal branches. So the president couldn't be subject to Congress in the sense of them being able to push him around. He has to be able to be independent of them and carry out his duties as the Constitution sets them forth. But at the same time, the country needed a safety valve in case you have a president who goes wild, does something that's clearly against the best interests of the people of the United States. And for that reason, they provided the impeachment clause, taking it from its English forebearers and other experience with other countries and providing that. But it's not to be just like any other piece of legislation. It is very definitely a safety valve. And that's why the considerable process that you have to go through, and that is the House bringing articles of impeachment and then a trial in the Senate requiring two-thirds and where the Chief Justice of the United States actually presides. So that this is not just, as you point out, just not an ordinary situation, an ordinary thing that like voting on another piece of legislation. This is a very important thing, and I think that there's no question about it, that there is no basis for impeachment whatsoever in anything that's in that Mueller, so-called Mueller report, nor anything else that's come out in terms of what the president has done or not done. And finally, for now, Attorney General Mukasey. I asked, you know, the whole front end of what took place in this Obama-Russia-Hillary Clinton media scandal has not been reported on. How do we get to the bottom of that? Cut 17, go. Let's take a look at the areas where Mr. Mueller said are not in his purview. Anything related to the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC, the funding of Fusion GPS, which was used as a go-through to pay for Christopher Steele, he was out of the purview. Christopher Steele goes to the Russians, among others, to get information, opposition research. We gave it this fancy name, dossier. That wasn't in his purview. The FISA applications which misled the court. That wasn't in his purview. McCabe's leaks, Stroke's leaks, Comey's leaks, those weren't in his purview. And I might add, a lot of this occurred before the inspector general jumped in, and certainly before we had an attorney general who has unleashed an investigation in the case of Barr. McCabe's coup attempt under the 25th Amendment, not in his purview. FBI placing spies in the Trump campaign, that's not in his purview. The Obama administration's unmasking of American citizens, that wasn't in his purview. And 
the Obama administration's failure to do anything effective to stop the Russians from interfering in our campaign. I heard this all day during the hearings that we had this unbelievable effort by the Russians to interfere in our campaign and the two people they haven't interviewed are Barack Obama and Joe Biden. So what kind of investigation is it that sets aside all these elements that clearly are relevant? The attorney general is well, we've got to get to the bottom of this, too. I'll go to you first, Mike. All of that um, is, in my mind at least, an excellent reason uh, for watching uh, what happens when an investigation that's being conducted uh, under the direction of John Durham um, does its work because the current attorney general has said that he is interested in getting to the bottom of how all of this got started. And the way it got started is with the steps that, that you've listed. Um, take the FISA application. Um, the, that application was for a warrant on Carter Page. Carter Page is a U.S. citizen. You don't get a warrant on a U.S. citizen under FISA unless you can show, number one, that he's an agent of a foreign power. But number two, you have to show as to a U.S. citizen that there's a crime involved. Who is the one person who has not been indicted by anybody? Carter Page. Um, so what was the basis for getting a warrant that named him? Um, that's only, that's only, that only teases out one problematic area. Um, and the, the, the Fusion GPS, of course, um, as you pointed out, was, was, was funded uh, for the purpose of generating oppo research. These are two incredibly experienced and serious men, former attorneys general of the United States, sitting down for the first time together to discuss Mueller, the Mueller report, impeachment, the entire Russia's collusion non-scandal, and many other issues uh, that hopefully the program will be run again in full next weekend. Understandably, we were uh, preempted in the last half hour as a result of the horrific mass shooting in Gilroy, California. I'll be right back. Mark Over at Right Scoop, they uh, linked to a TP uh, Talking Points USA, Benny Johnson, who went to Baltimore, who went into Elijah Cummings' district. Something that none of the people who've been calling Trump a racist did over the weekend. They're there to defend Elijah Cummings, the Democrat Party, and to attack Trump. And here's what Benny Johnson has said in his tweet posts. He says, I'm in Baltimore, represent Elijah Cummings District. I spent all day speaking with dozens of people who live in Cummings District. Some have lived 60 plus years here. I learned so much. Before continuing, ask yourself, do you want to know the truth? Well, here it is. First off, Cummings has represented this district for over 20 years. Everyone I spoke with knew him and was aware that he was beefing with Donald Trump. I didn't ask about politics. I asked about living conditions in this district. That's all. Here's what they said. On being rat infested, quote, every person I spoke with confirmed that the district was rat infested. This man told me that rats the size of cats run through his house regularly. One woman told me rats have taken over her neighborhood. One called it a plague of rats. It continues. 
One of Cummings' constituents went inside their home and returned with this flyer from the city begging them to help with the rat infestation. The flyer said that the trash and animal feces in the neighborhood attract the rats. The flyer was delivered this week. On trash in Cummings District, there is trash everywhere. Filth and garbage piled up high in the street. One building had a big sign. Ah, hell, I just lost the damn thing. Let me find it. One building. I'm getting it. Hold on. Can't help working on it. All right, let's see here. One building had a big sign that begged, do not put trash here. Below the signs were piles of rotting refuse. Constituents blamed the trash for the rat infestation. On crime in the district, every constituent said their murders, shootings, drugs run rampant. Many told me they were scared and do not go outside after dark. One elderly man said, it did not used to be this way. Now we kill each other. Why? Because no one has a job. On the abandonment of houses in Cummings District, constituents tell me crime, rats, trash, drugs, killings, and crumbling infrastructures forced many out. One woman told me she wished the city would just demolish her block. Parts of the district look like a ghost town. One home had a 30-foot tree growing from the basement right through the roof. And you could see it from the street. How long had this home been abandoned by a tree for a tree to take over the entire house and add another story? Parts of Cummings District look like a foreign war zone. Many homes are so decrepit, they're just crumbling to pieces. Every block I walked had a home with no roof. Some blocks had multiple homes that looked like they'd been through the Battle of Leningrad. Other blocks were just eerie, row after row of abandoned shelves of houses. No signs of life or occupancy anywhere, just like the people who lived there had vanished. In a way, they have. Every person I spoke with in Cummings District was deeply kind to my crew and me. Wonderful, beautiful people. Here's what they all had in common. They feel banded by their politicians. With a district like this, can you really blame them? Now, couldn't get a report like that from CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, or any of them. It's not the narrative. The narrative is to destroy Trump. The narrative is to call him the racist. The fact is that Trump was accurate about the state of the city, about the rat infestation. He was accurate. The media could care less. The media are lying about Trump. They're putting words in his mouth and words in your ears. They not only hate him, they hate you. They want to reverse the course of the election. And I noticed the Democrats, let me be the first to call this out, I suppose. Every day, one, two, three, four new Democrats has moved toward impeachment. You notice that, Mr. Producer? Every day they add a couple here and there. Keep an eye on this, folks, as they slow walk this. Every day, a few here and there. It is a disgrace what the media are doing to this country, making, making it impossible to actually resolve problems. And now, of course, Al Sharpton takes center stage. Al Sharpton. The media don't call him what he is. 
a bigot, anti-Semite in my view, charlatan, failure to pay his taxes over the course of several years, and yet they hold him up. It's incredible, isn't it? I'll be right back. If you turn off your radio and open the window, you can probably hear him straight from the studio. Call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. The folks at Bolin Branch are feeling really flattered right now, ever since their family business became the industry leader with the world's most comfortable sheets. They've seen a lot of imitators making similar promises and even repeating words from their ads. But no one can duplicate the quality of Bolin Branch cotton that starts out soft and gets softer and softer over time. There are $1,000 sheets for a couple hundred bucks, the only sheets loved by hundreds of thousands of Americans and three U.S. presidents. That's why 97% of customers surveyed said they sleep better on Bolin Branch. But you won't find them in a big, you won't find them in a big box store because they're not there. Starting this summer, you get 100 nights to try them. 100 nights. Shipping is always free, and right now you'll get $50 off your first set of sheets at BowlinBranch.com with promo code MARK. That's spelled B-O-L-L and Branch.com, promo code MARK, for $50 off. Now's a great time to get them. That's BowlinBranch.com, promo code MARK. Rashida Talib is celebrated on CNN and the other miscreant malcontent stations. There's no reason for her to be on CNN Sunday other than Jake Tapper likes her. And so what did Jake Tapper have to say? Cut 13, go. Do you think the Jewish people have the right to a state in the area where Israel exists now? Look, I truly believe the state of Israel is ex- it exists, correct? But understand, does it exist in the detriment of inequality for the Palestinian people, detriment of not really moving forward in a peaceful resolution. We're never going to have peace, I truly believe, if separate but equal is the way they want to go. And I can tell you, I learned that from my African-American teachers in Detroit Public Schools who showed me what the pain of oppression looks like. We're not going to have peace if we don't understand that we are dehumanizing Palestinians every single day when we choose Israel over their rights. But yes or no, does Israel have a right to exist? Of course. Okay. But just like Palestinians have a right to exist, Palestinians also have a right to human rights. We can't say one or the other. We have to say it in the same breath or we're not going to actually have a peaceful resolution. Wow. Brilliant lady. Also a liar. She used to have a map of the Middle East in her office with one of those little yellow stickum notes covering the name Israel, and I believe she put on there Palestine. Um, of course Israel has the right to exist. Oh, thank you. Unfortunately, Jake Tapper didn't really press her. What Jake Tapper should have done is, is shown her with pictures with her Hezbollah buddy, shown her, as I said, with that map. Could have really pressed her. Could have played some of the audio, if not video, of her past statements. He didn't do any of that. He's just going through the motions because he kind of likes her. He kind of likes her. I don't mean that way. He kind of likes her views. Jake Tapper, I recall, when Hamas was shooting missiles into Israel a couple years back, 
was uh, was slamming Israel and defending Hamas. Yes, he was. Don't be a liar, Jake. It's all too common with you and your uh, and your ilk in the media now. So uh, she's still at it, and I criticize her not because she's a woman of color, because she's an a-hole. That's why I criticize her. What do you think of that? Now, when I talk like that, people say, oh, that's horrible. She uses the F word. They go, oh, 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 that's okay. That's all right. They call Trump a racist all weekend long. Well, of course, that's all right. Why did Levin say, oh, right winger? Hardly. If you're a constitutionalist, you're not a right winger. It's right in the middle of the political spectrum. We have to have a long talk about that one day. How can you be a right winger when you support the enforcement and the interpretation, the proper interpretation of our founding governing document. Well, you must be a right winger. Uh, no, I'm not. We cannot allow the left to continue to do this, folks. Any good callers there, Mr. Producer? Cough up, please. Yes. All right, Stephen Baltimore. How are you, sir? Hello, Mr. Levin. Uh, thank you for taking my call, and thank you for the work that you do. How are you, uh, may, may, may I ask, how are you listening to the program? I, I uh, have to use the iHeart um, You listen raise, to uh, the, the iHeart app on Mark Levin. Thank you for that. Anyway, you're a resident of Baltimore. Resident of Baltimore City, live in the northwest corner of Baltimore, and what President Trump has said about the city is absolutely true. And thank you, Mr. Levin, for the earlier part of your program uh, bringing up all of the uh, information about about how the, the mis, uh, mismanagement of the city. Let me just say that um, not only uh, is uh, Rashida Tlaib a liar, but Elijah Cummings is also a liar. He talks about how he would walk freely anywhere within the city. Well, let me tell you, I open up my windows at night in the summertime, and many times I can hear gunshots. I live a few miles, uh, a few blocks away from um, uh, from the racetrack where they have the Preakness Pimlico racetrack. I can't walk in the city at night without an armed guard, and I would say neither can Elijah Cummings. Now he's no. a liar. Of course, no. there's areas. Uh, that he won't walk in. Same with Cory Booker in Newark, and so forth and so on. Absolutely. Are you, yes. And the reason why I would say um, Elijah Cummings would not walk down this particular area, Pratt and Monroe, is because he could be mugged, just like Baltimore's deputy police commissioner, Donald mm-hmm. Murphy, was robbed at gunpoint on Pratt, right down there in the city, um, Friday, July 19th, as reported by the Baltimore Sun. Mm-hmm. So we have a very dangerous city. In addition to that, we have high taxes. We have. Well, let, let's slow down a second. Your city used to have about a million in population. It wasn't that long ago. Now. Now you're down to 600,000, give or take. People are speaking with their feet. They're leaving. Now, if Baltimore was not a mismanaged city, if they weren't undermining law enforcement, the cops, and they weren't run by a bunch of left-wing uh, uh, corrupt politicians ideologically or otherwise. People wouldn't be fleeing Baltimore. They'd be coming to Baltimore as they are to other towns uh, in various parts of America. And it's not because there's not enough government money. There's not enough federal largesse. There's not enough this or that. I'm sick of these failed local hack Democrat Party left-wing kook politicians blaming everyone else. And so when the president points out what's going on in Baltimore, when the congressman for Baltimore is trashing American law enforcement on the border that's overwhelmed as a result of what people like Cummings and 
Pelosi and other leftists are doing to our immigration system. He's right to point out what's going on in Baltimore. And it is rat infested. And by that, he didn't mean the people. He meant the rats. Real live rats. Uh, Baltimore, and I, I know exactly what he meant, and I thank him for saying it. And uh, it hurts me. It hurts me to say this about my city. I wish it were different, but it's so mismanaged by this blue, blue, blue Democratic corrupt. I mean, we've had we've had Baltimore mayors uh, with such corruption, Sheila Dixon for stealing from her own people, uh, you know, uh, uh, Christmas gift money, and then it was uh, Catherine Pugh who, was, who resigned May second. She she was shaking down companies like uh, uh, Kaiser Permanente, uh, per, uh, per, Permanente, um, yep. Permanente, uh, where they'd have to buy her books and uh, school systems here would have to buy books from her. And it was all illegal stuff, and she, she'll probably go to jail for that. I mean, it's just so misrun, this whole, this whole city. It's, it's a shame. We need a new government. We need, we need a voice other than the Democrat. They, the Democrats have ruled this city for years now. We have eight congressional districts. Only one of them is Republican, district number one. And, uh, that- well, they've gerrymandered the hell out of a couple of them. Yeah, oh, oh, yes, even my district. I'm in district number three. And that's gerrymandered all over. I have, I have a doozy for a congressman, John Sarbanes. He's another... Yeah, he's, he inherited that seat. Uh, yes, he did. From daddy. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's the one who sponsored H.R. 1, H. Resolution 1, which uh, did all kinds of bad things. He wants incarcerated people to vote. He wants automatic uh, voting registration. Yeah, they're all nuts. You know, it's just totally, totally, totally nuts. Anyway... I'm going to um, ask you one final question unrelated to this. I love your books. I've read your books. Please, the next time you write a book, Mr. Levin, include an index. I use your... I can't. I can't. All the books I have, you can see, not one of them has indexes. Or we'd have 40 pages of indexed material. So instead, what I have are the endnotes. So rather than looking up names, you can actually see the direct site to the sentence or the word or to the argument very scholarly, and I, I, I admire you for that, but if I'm doing research and I want to use your book, it's nice. Well, I'm just that. afraid they won't do it. Okay. All right, my friend, but I do appreciate it. Thanks very much. Takes a lot of time and money to put an index in the kind of books that I write, because there's so many names. Uh, I don't just mean the uh, individuals, but so many names and theories and so forth. So instead, I just uh, put a heavy dose of uh, endnotes in there so you can go directly to the source. Who else do we have, Mr. Producer? What is the name? Fakima, Memphis, Tennessee, the great WREC. How are you? How you doing, Mr. Okay. Levin? You yes, gotta sir. Give me, I got to get one of those books. I've been, I, I, I'll take I, care I, of you, buddy. Just don't hang up at the end, but you go ahead. Thank you, sir. Yeah. I'm African-American. I'm from New York, just like you, born and raised, Mount Sinai Hospital, et cetera. I'm actually from Philly. Oh, I but I love New York. New York gave okay. me my start. My mistake. It's all right. There it is. Trump is not a racist. Trump is not any of those stupid things. Calling out Baltimore is the proper, correct thing to do, Mr. Trump, because Elijah Trump has been in office for 23 years, since 1996. Mm-hmm. Every Democrat city in, the, in, in America... That's the major cities run by Democrats. They're all dilapidated. They're all falling apart. They ain't worth nothing. Number two, there has not been a Republican mayor in the city of Maryland for 70 years. Mm -mm -mm. 70. 
that should tell you why that city is that way. So what? My, now I'm talking to my African-American people, because CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, and, and the other one, they're all listening to your show, Mr. Levin. You know that. And all those black people on them shows have listened to this show to all my African-American people. Get off the Democrat slave plantation. Trump's not a racist. He said everything that is proper and correct because Elijah Cummins is a sellout just like all the others. He need to go home, have some tea and some crumpets or some crackers or something because he's no good for Baltimore. All right. I appreciate your call, my friend. You take care of yourself. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Where'd those 400,000 people go that used to live in Baltimore? Where'd they go? Elijah Cummings? Where'd they go, CNN and MSNBC? Where'd they go? Where'd they go, all the race-baiting journalists on TV and in newspapers? You can pretty much say anything you want about this president. I've never seen anything like it. The most horrendous things and the worst you say, the more often you're invited back on these programs. I'm going to say something, and it's not intended to be provocative. If MSNBC and CNN went away, this would be a better country. We'd be a better country in the sense we'd be more united. There'd be less of a racial divide. The Democrat Party wouldn't be as radicalized as it has become. Now, there's still the New York Times and the Washington Post, a.k.a. the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost. Their day will come. They already had to be bought by billionaires in order to uh, prop them up. As far as I'm concerned, the New York Times can never recover from covering up the Holocaust. And the Washington Post posted exactly the same thing. You know, it's finally happened. The Democrats just admitted the whole Russian narrative was a hoax. And they'll drop all their investigations immediately. In a related story, eating chocolate fried foods and not exercising will make you healthier. Okay. Maybe that's all fake news, but you know what isn't fake? Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Look, I can sit here and rattle off a bunch of facts, but here's the most important thing for you to know. Field of Greens tastes great, it's healthy, and it'll make you look and feel better. And I started taking Field of Greens in January. I have more energy, feel better, have peace of mind, because I know I'm getting the fruits and vegetables I need to power through my busy schedule. Give it a try. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com. You'll get 15% off your first order, but you've got to use offer code LEVIN. You've got to use LEVIN twice. And by the way, your satisfaction is guaranteed or your money back. Hello, hello, hello. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Don't get fooled by phony imitations. This is the only superfood I endorse. Start your day like me with filled of greens. Check it out. BrickhouseLevin.com. BrickhouseLevin.com. Offer code Levin. BrickhouseLevin.com. Offer code Levin. Now, uh, there's names you've never heard of before who show up on MSNBC and 
CNN. Like a guy by the name of Malcolm Nance. Anybody know who Malcolm Nance is? Of course you don't. It doesn't matter. He's part of the, uh, of the crowd with the hard left in the media. And he's on the morning schmo show on MSLSD. Hearing part is what he says. Cut 12, go. I am not joking when I say this could be the last free and fair election in American history. It may not be a free and fair election. And this is exactly why you got to wonder what the hell's going on over at Comcast and AT&T. Comcast owns MSNBC, AT&T owns CNN. You have to wonder what the hell is going on. To bring a clown in like this, these clown hosts, these are all backbenchers. I don't mean second tier, third and fourth tier. Joe Scarborough couldn't get a job in radio. He was that bad. Couldn't get a job at Fox. Winds up on MSNBC. Same with his lovely wife. Look at this Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper is a joke. Wolf Blitzer. Who the hell ever heard of Wolf Blitzer before? Obviously, his parents didn't care for him. He's called Wolf, for crying out loud. Don Lemon. Who was the genius who hired Don Lemon? Obviously, somebody lost a bet. And Chris Cuomo, the dumbest of the Cuomos, considering his brother is dumb as a rock? Look at the morning lineup there. Look at the morning lineup. Camerata. A throw-off from Fox. What's the other idiot's name? What's that guy's name? Can you remember Mr. Bidu? We don't even want to remember. Nobody can remember. He's like a, a mannequin at Men's Warehouse. Mannequin. They, you know, they put a jacket and a tie on. He just stands there like a dummy. Well, that's him. Can't remember his name. Then there's a MSNBC. Every reprobate that comes to mind gets a show on MSNBC. Now they're marching out Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton. It's like marching out Chris Matthews. Assuming he can walk a straight line. And look at the morning show, as I said. How hard is it to do that show from Florida that they do and pretend they're in Washington? No, no, that's not the guy. It's all right. Doesn't matter. We can't remember their names. That's probably a good thing. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, all you men and women in law enforcement protecting us. Thank you. Don't forget, right now, Amazon.com, 52% off on Freedom of the Press, $13.44. And if you hurry up and order, you get it free shipping. See you tomorrow. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.